This week on the OneCast, we're celebrating episode 52, one year, with Bass Fishing Hall of Famer, Shaw Grigsby. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, It's a toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day. What is going on, the OneCast fans? Welcome back for another week, episode 52, and I know this one's right. Uh, I think the last four I've been off on episode counts because we've been getting so excited getting close to that one-year mark. Uh, but this one officially is episode 52. Uh, we've released episodes every week for the last year. Uh, I say that we did accidentally because we didn't know what we were doing. The first two episodes dropped the same week, so mm -hmm. um, it hasn't been exactly 52 weeks, but it's close enough. We had 52 weeks worth of content. Uh, we just uh, released one, one, two. Well, I'll put it this way. I think we have filmed for 52 weeks straight. We yeah. have. Because those first couple episodes, I, I think we did plan it, right? Because we didn't want to have, we wanted to drop like three at a time yeah. when we first launched. But we filmed, you know, those two or three weeks prior. So it, it has been a year straight of every single week filming, putting this content out. So I'm I'm proud of us. I think that's awesome. We have stuck to it. And hopefully uh, next year at this time will be uh, episode 104. I have to say that I'm proud of us too. And we couldn't do it without great partners. Um, and like we always mention, and we don't do it just because we have to, it's because we want to head on over to onecastfishing.com and use the code, the onecast to save money. The holiday season is already here, but it doesn't matter. You can still buy those great snagless jigs, weedless net heads, soft plastics, apparel uh, from the onecast fishing website. Use the code the one cast and let them know that uh, that we sent you guys. Uh, that supports the show and continues to help us do what we're doing right now, which we have an awesome guest lined up. And another announcement to kick off the new year, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a teaser. We do have a new partner that's going to be joining us. We're really excited about that. So if you're looking for the future and owning a little piece of your paradise, I'll just leave that as the teaser. So. What's going on, guys? Pete with the OneCast here. So excited to announce our newest podcast partner, Carolina Waters. Carolina Waters is a performance fishing and outdoor lifestyle apparel company that's based right here in North Carolina. They provide clothing like lightweight UPF shirts for those days out on the water or in the field for your hardcore fisherman or athlete. They also have casual t-shirts for those more relaxing days. Tons of different styles of headwear for the whole family. No matter what it is you're doing, if you're doing it outdoors in the Carolinas or anywhere across the country, Carolina Waters has you covered. Be sure to head over to their website, check out the apparel, find what fits your needs at carolinawatersnc.com. For the month of September, use the code THEONECAST, all one word, to save 20% off your order at carolinawatersnc.com. Again, that's carolinawatersnc.com. Use the code the one cast one cast at checkout to save twenty percent. Appreciate y'all. Make sure you check them out. Use that code to let you know that we sent you. Help us continue to grow a culture of anglers helping anglers one cast at a time. I'm ready to jump into it. Let's man. do it. I'm ready to jump as well. Let me grab Shaw here. We'll bring him on and uh, we'll get ready to roll. Shaw, how are you? I'm doing really well, guys. How are y'all doing? Good, good. I'm going to give you, a, uh, let you introduce yourself a little bit, but I'm just going to run down a little bit. Uh, you're you're a motorcycle racer turned bass fishing pro. Mm -hmm. uh, you have nine professional tournament wins, 63 professional top tens, uh, career earnings over $2 million. Uh, also, probably what I remember you even more for from the tournament fishing is one more cast with Shaw Grigsby, uh, your television show, which ran for over 20 years, if I remember correctly. 
and uh, currently fishing the the MLF Invitationals. Correct? Are you fishing those this year? Absolutely. Awesome. We're Perfect. looking forward to that. Uh, what do you want to add? Shall I let the listeners know if well, there's some folks that may not be familiar with you? I mean, uh, I guess the only thing to add is your your uh, podcast would be perfect if it wasn't just, you know, one cast. If you put one more cast in there, <laughs> I like that. For for a reference, and I'll show we we'll all get into it for everyone listening. Um, Shaw ran the um, one more cast TV show from for twenty years, I think, from ninety six to two thousand sixteen, uh, and that was a reference to that. And um, yeah, it's a little playoff. Our little I know. Podcast. Yeah, I, like it. <laughs> I never even we never even thought about that, but uh, that is pretty cool how it correlates with each other. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, Shaw, I, with your motorcycle fishing, the motorcycle fishing, <laughs> your, your motorcycle racing, um, what type of bikes did you race? Did you ever go to Davenport up in Iowa for it? No, no, I was not a professional by any means. I I just piddled with it around here, had a good time, and and uh, I raced a couple hair scrambles. Uh, I tried a motocross, but uh, it was a little little much for me. That was really quick and, and fast. I had a little Hodaka Super Rat and uh, just had a blast with it, you know. So awesome. that was my uh, motorcycle racing times. And, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I knew real quick that I wasn't going to be much on it. I, I would race the hair scrambles. We had, you know, one of those long five-mile courses or whatever, and and I remember coming through a little spot where they made you come through two trees and, and you had to literally come in and do your handlebars to get through the trees. And I would knock my knuckle every time coming through that dude, <laughs> you know, cause you're trying to go through so fast. And when I got done, my old knuckle was all bloodied up and all. And I said, you know, I love racing, but I just like riding motorcycles. So I kind of didn't do the racing much after that awesome awesome man motorcycle racing was in my family's blood too for a long time they owned like uh uh what was it like straight track quarter mile bikes and stuff like that uh, my dad used to race them a long time ago and and then i think he got to the point where he just hired somebody to race them for him and uh but there was definitely a lot of catastrophes in those motorcycle racing so mm-hmm. it's a good thing you switched over to pro- professional <laughs> bass fishing um not that there's not accidents with that but so you grew up in you grew up in gainesville is that Born accurate? And raised. Yep. And, and you and still, still live there? there now, you know? Okay. So. so was it always in your blood to be competitive in anything that you did? Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, that's a good statement for it. You know, you, you grow up as a competitive person, no matter what you do. And um, so, yes. And, and, you know, then fishing was kind of the deal because, you know, my first term, the first real term that got me hooked was, uh, back in the days when they had a blast off. And so they would line the boats up, you know, in a, side by side and all of them facing one direction. And then the, the head of the tournament organization would come by fire flare and everybody takes off at one time. Well, that's pretty, pretty dangerous, you know, cause you're all yeah. your boats are side by side. And we were usually fishing the Kissimmee chain. So you were out of uh Hashton hall, the mouth of, uh, uh, Hashton hall there where it goes into the Kissimmee river and we would run in into the canal that goes from Hashton hall to Cypress and then from Cypress into Toho and there'd be a lock and you stop at the lock mm-hmm. and lock through and then go on up and fish Toho because Toho was one of the best you know bass lakes in the world still is but anyway well when you, you imagine that when you get 75 80 boats and they're all running side by side and then you get to a canal that's only 
40 yards wide, you know, 50 yards wide, what's going to happen? Well, you know, you'd eventually have somebody, you know, they're lining up five wide going down this canal and there'd be a, a, a crappie fisherman in there fishing and somebody's eating the bank. And it was fun though. It was fun. I mean, you know, I bet it was a blast. Oh, it was, it was intense. And, and so, you know, it was one of those things where I just, I said, man, this is a sport for me because I could race boats and, you know, uh, <laughs> so I was like, this is perfect. And, and that's kind of how I got into it. I think, yeah, the very first tournament I ever fished, they did a shotgun start like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was, it was just local. So you had everything I, I was fishing out of a 16 and a half foot aluminum tracker with like a nine, nine. Uh, and then there were guys with the 21 footers with two fifties. And <laughs> I think the racing part got me a little, I mean, I wasn't keeping up with any of them, but <laughs> when those boats are just blowing by you, I don't know how <laughs> yeah. nobody got killed, but uh, it certainly, it certainly got the juices flowing uh, first thing in the morning. Um, well, this will this will tell you how long ago it was for me. The largest motor made back then was a 135. Hmm. So that was the biggest motor. And and just after that, then they came. Mercury came with a 150, which was like, ooh, <laughs> you know. So so it was like, yeah, that's that was it. So yeah, I mean, I I started tournament fishing in. Um, early 70s I actually fished a tournament on Seminole yeah Lake Seminole and um and like 72 and then then really got into it big in 74 so okay yeah, yeah. were any of y'all born in 74 <clears throat> no sir no I, I think I, I think I'm the oldest in the room I was born in 85 not there not to go. make you feel old but I think my mom was three in 74 so <laughs> yeah, but, ben, but but he's the youngest guy in the room. Yeah, That's you know, true, yeah. having a little, having a, I got the opportunity to go down in in fish Toho this year uh, at a Help Our Heroes charity tournament uh, with a buddy Mike Johns that fishes um, uh, MLF. Um, I'm not sure what series he fishes right now. I think he's fishing uh, toy or he fished Toyotas and BFLs last year. But anyhow, what I do know is uh, there are some giant alligators down there. So during your shotgun blast. Uh, did you ever see boats go airborne launching over alligators? <laughs> you know, they've been a few guys that have hit them. Uh, most of the time they get out of your way pretty quick. And, you know, it's those colder months and mainly those months, they, they stay kind of hibernated in there. They don't move fast, but, but, uh, you know, you usually don't hit them much, but, you know, I, so that's one of the things I do in the off season. My, my, uh, one of my favorite pastimes, I'm a big hunter. So I got like bows up here. I got a little, little buck, wherever that is right here. Yeah. Yeah. Right there. Little guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, but the, um, I gator hunt a lot mm-hmm. and we just love it. So you have to draw for a tag and you know, you get to, if, if you're fortunate enough to draw, you get to get you know, two gators, kill two gators. So you can harvest them and you get the meat and it's delicious and all that. So, but the fun part of it is the hunting. I mean, in Florida, we don't do it like swamp people, you know, swamp people, they hang a a piece of chicken from a hook and then they come up there and grab the rope and fight them and all that kind of stuff. Well, we don't get to do that. We, we have to find them. And basically we take a rod and reel, you know, like a big clip stick and cast it out there. I use 80 pound, uh, Seaguar Tac X and I, you know, got a treble hook on it. That's a trocar. I, I tie a ounce and a half tungsten underneath it, 
and just fire it out there and you hit them with the 80 and, and, uh, you know, you kind of know where they are. Now we use that structure stand, you know, my little right structure stand and forward sonar and you pick them out and you cast over there and you, and you hook them and you fight them up and then you get to harpoon them and bang stick them and all that kind of stuff. So it's a, it's really intense. And this year we had a gator bite through the aluminum boat we were in. We had a, oh, no. a gator nick my, my, son's thumb so we were real close on that one um there was there's a lot of fun to it you know and uh it's it's pretty intense so yeah we so, love it. so i just i have to ask the question we know the bass anglers are all fired up about forward facing sonar are alligator hunters fired up about forward facing sonar you too? Know, I'm, I'm not i'm not sure how many guys have learned about it the ones that oh. have you know mm. the structure stand it's, mm -hmm. it's incredible. So you'll, you'll idle by them and obviously you go there, you know, what we do is we spot them. So we take binoculars, we spot them and we look at him. We, it's like looking at a big deer. You try to measure him through the binoculars and go, okay, this one's 10 feet or 11 feet or something like that. And you go, oh yeah, that's the one I want. Well, then you run on them and uh, most of the times they'll just submerge, right? And then you shut down and you just start idling with your, with your structure scan. So it's, you know, putting out there, you know, 60, 80 feet, a hundred feet on each side. And all of a sudden you see this little gator down there. Usually their tails curled. So you can see that. And, and, and then you kind of mark where it is, pitch back over there and kind of drag that treble. And then when you whack him, it's like, it's on. <laughs> it's fun, so, I mean, there's, there, there's a lot of things that can kill you out there, but uh, that's one of the ones that absolutely will. Have you guys ever had any, serious incidents when you're gator hunting no, no i've okay. had it bite my boat a bunch and you know I've, so i have a number of teeth marks on the boat and and the one the the hole in the aluminum was pretty cool so there's there's a difference between drawing a tag and and i also help a nuisance guy that, so the guy that fwc has nuisance gator hunters mm -hmm. for different counties and so one of my buddy uh here in the county and he also has citrus county but we uh when he needs help you know he'll call me and i'll go help well we were getting this one out of a uh, university lake so that, you know, we didn't want any students to get bit and it was getting real friendly. Like it'd come right to people on the bank and you're like, that's one we don't want. And it's like a 10 and a half footer. And, and so uh, we find it structure scan deal. And I, I cast, I hook it. Okay. So now I got him hooked up and we get him up the boat. We, we uh, now with a nuisance gator, we keep them alive. So it's a lot different than, you know, putting a harpoon in him and then bang sticking him and blowing a hole in his head and he's dead. Then you don't have to worry about any incidents because he's dead. You know, it's like mm -hmm. there's a deer with the arrow that went through his heart. He's dead. No problem. Right. Well, a live gator. Now you slip a noose over his head, you know, and then you get a noose over his mouth. You try to close his mouth. Then you got to jump on him. He's still alive and you're hoping that noose holds and you hold his mouth down and then you get to tape him and, the, and it is that gets intense because he's totally alive and you drag him in alive. So um, we've had that one was the one where it bit the boat. And when we get done with it, and we didn't really know he had punctured a big old hole in our, in our John boat, but we put it on the bank. We dragged the gator out on the bank, you know, about three of us pull him up and we got him taped. We're sitting on him. And, and of course people always are interested. So they come by and they look and then they want to, you know, hey, you want you want a picture with him? Sure. So they get on top of him, and it's really cool. So we, we really enjoy the the interaction with the with the other people and people that are watching. Well, then we got done, and we got him loaded in the trailer. Well, my grandson and I are in the John boat, and we're 
taking it back across the lake. And all of a sudden, water shooting up in the boat. He goes, goes Brad, we're going down. <laughs> that was kind of fun. But but the only time we've ever had anything was uh, we had a big one, uh, you know, come up and, and try to grab and, and uh, miss my knee by probably, you know, six, eight inches, something like that. And, um, and then we had that one that just, we were trying to release him and, you know, he's about a, I think he's about a nine footer and we were trying to hold a nine, nine, nine and a half footer and, and he just came undone. So, I mean, you're holding him as hard as you can and you're getting ready to release him alive and he spun out and he caught just one thing, caught my son's thumb and I went to pull my, cause I'm up there trying to, trying to hold him. And I went to pull my foot back and my foot wouldn't go because he had it, had my boot in his mouth. Mm. And then he swung off of that and missed my buddy like by inches. And we said, we'd never do that again. So, <laughs> we, and we won't, you know, we, you don't try to hold a big gator like that. You know, they're just, they're really, really powerful. Oh and, man. Uh, so anyway, we, we don't, we don't make those mistakes. We made one and, 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 you know, you could make one and not survive, you know, lose an arm or yeah. a wrist or whatever. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's exciting. <laughs> yeah, I'd say, yeah. to say the I least. Say, go ahead. Say, yeah, how I want to go to Florida and gator fish. Well, I was going to ask, how many of the other, how many other anglers on tour are like, Shaw, I got to go, I got to go alligator hunting with you. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I've taken a number of them and, and Scroggins, Terry Scroggins, he's, mm-hmm. he's a, a big gator hunter too. And so he, he likes it. And, uh, he's taken Casey Ashley and a number of other guys. And so, uh, yeah, we just have fun. I took, uh, Mike Malone, who's our MLFs. Uh, uh I don't really know what his direct title is, but he's the one that schedules all the tournaments and sites and handles all that. And uh, anyway, took him and and uh, it was really fun. Him and his wife, and we just had a blast. But you know, I like doing that. I like taking people and 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 uh, you know, the problem is some years I don't draw. You know, and some yeah, years yeah. I do. And and uh, this year I got to take a, a a father and a son, and we got to get a, a ten and a half on that one. So or ten two is what it was, and it was a, it was a good battle too. So. Fun. I guess there's no better way to test out your braided line if you have a sponsorship. Oh, yeah. Like, hey, check it out! <laughs> I got a ten and a half foot gator. Like, tr- uh, you know, trump that with a ten pound bass. You know what I mean? Is, that, <laughs> is, is a ten foot gator like your hundred and forty inch deer? Is that like you're you're looking at that ten foot mark? You know, that's kind of the mark. That would be like yeah. a ten pound bass. Yeah, that's kind of yeah. your mark for what you want. You want to beat ten feet, you know, and then you might get lucky and beat eleven. Like last year my son drew Okeechobee and we went down there on the first two days and I took a sponsor with me, uh, from Seaguar. Uh, and so we, uh, we got a 10, five and a 10, six, sorry, 11, five and 11, six, wow. uh, one, one day, one, the next. And it was really cool. Like we couldn't get the 11, six in the boat. So fortunately the water was down and so we drug him to the, towards a reed head and my son got out of the boat got up underneath him and helped rolling back as brian oh, and i got to pull on this thing man we were like exhausted getting him in the boat but we got him so you know yeah, and then man. we got another 11 11 uh, 6 or 11 5 the next day so um yeah fun 
just ate up with adrenaline from motorcycle racing to gator hunting to professional bass. I just think you're an adrenaline junkie. Do you jump out of airplanes no. too? <laughs> once. One time. Uh, you did. Yeah, yeah, I, and then I you realize. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, I did it with, uh, you know, when we did the Warriors on the Water and we were at uh, Fort Bragg and, mm-hmm. and uh, I got to jump with the Knights. And those guys, oh my gosh, are they good. I, so there was one of the guys, we're, we're going up in the plane to jump and there's a guy that had uh, – you know, one of the one of the nights had found a box down in some basement cellar, whatever uh, of the base there, and found a bunch of old old shoots. So he would pack them himself, and then he'd jump on the plane with the guys. You know, whoever's going up for a jump, he'd hop on there, and he'd jump before of them. You know, before anybody else would get out, he'd jump, and all the nights would looking out the plane like, yeah, it opened. You know. <laughs> <laughs> say enough about them man that's uh that's a, a special group a special group of guys and uh, well you got you gotta through. you gotta be a special group i mean i think we've always asked ourselves ben and i we did a lot of airborne operations and uh, i always ask myself why are we jumping out of a perfectly good airplane <laughs> like this thing can land why are we jumping but no and and i'll tell you just something quick about myself Warriors on the water is why I'm into tournament bass angling. Like 100% uh, Warriors mm-hmm. on the water. It was probably it was a handful of years ago, but I got the opportunity to fish Jordan, Jordan Lake right. uh, with one of the local guys. And I'll tell you what, I had an absolute blast because I'm from Kalamazoo, Michigan. So I didn't grow up like, you know, bass fishing tournaments. It was just like catch what you can and uh, who who said it best? Knock the sides off them because you're yeah. gonna eat them, right? <laughs> eat them, so yeah. you're gonna eat them. But uh, yeah, warriors on the water, and it's kind of a travesty that they don't exist anymore. But they were a huge impact in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you, you know, I uh, I love the guys. I love supporting those organizations, and uh, you know, do my best to to give back because they give us so much. So yeah, yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, you're you're. Uh, military too right yep yeah i'm still active yep. i got uh i i actually retire on halloween of 2025 <laughs> wow so i'm gonna wow. dress up as shaw grigsby and pick up my <laughs> it'll be my day. halloween <laughs> that's right i'm gonna look like dale earnhardt <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep but yeah well i'll turn it over to pete what you got man what you what you got from mr Griggs? i'm just like reeling right now because you know Nick, Nick, we know Nick Kincaid, you know, through special operations, uh, bass anglers. We met you at their, uh, yeah. their tournament this year. Uh, everybody, we keep telling you, check it out next year. It's always right around Veterans Day, and it is a blast. It's, it's a great tournament, lots of great people. We're going to keep plugging it. Uh, Nick sent me the date. I don't, I'm not going to look it up right now, but we'll have it on the next episode or I'll add it at the <laughs> end. If you can get to North Carolina to fish it, fish it. Um, because it is an awesome event, and that's where we got to meet Shaw. And you're absolutely right. I didn't serve. Ben. Ben's retired out of the Army now. Trey's got a couple of years. Uh, and uh, we try to support all the organizations we can that, that support those guys because we, we know how much they've sacrificed. Oh, um, my gosh, yes. Yeah. But uh, a, lot of them, a lot of them give it all. And, um, they do. Mm-hmm. You know, that special ops guys, those, those guys, you know, were there trying to help and raise money to – to help the families, you know, when they lose one of them. And, yep. uh, it's, it's, it's really tough to see 
how the government handles these situations and that there's such a need for that that group in between because from the time you know one of them passes to the time when the wife and family and kids can get anything is quite a while it yeah, doesn't right. just happen overnight a lot of red tape and a lot of stuff and that's where they really step in and help out with that so those guys have always had a, a a real big part of my heart i love every one of them they're just great great guys so absolutely yeah a lot of good good folks in that organization and and Nick was like, you got make sure you ask Shaw about the gator, gator hunting. And I was like, oh, we're going to. <laughs> oh, yeah. We got that out of the way plenty early. And now I need to figure out how to go to Florida and, and see, I know what I was doing wrong now. Cause when we were when, when Trey and I or well, you were down there, I cast two yeah. uh two years ago, but we went out fishing in the ponds behind there and I tried to catch that frog with the gator. I mean, um that gator with the frog. And uh, he was only like three foot where he was a baby, but he, he didn't want nothing of it. So I know, okay, big trouble hook. That was, yeah, that right. was- <laughs> That's right. yeah. We got the techniques now. Catching gators, man. Like I, I caught, I caught one on uh, the St. John's river a, a few years ago on a, on a popping frog. And it was only like three feet long. And my buddy said, what are you going to do with it? And I said, well, I'm a boat flip him and bring him in the boat. <laughs> and he's like, so I was scared to death, by the way. Uh, but I, I took care of it and uh, threw him back in the water, and he swam off for you to shoot another day. Um, you got your pop frog back. <laughs> I got my popping frog back. He's no good no more. But it was a, it was a, it was a, it, was a, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, Florida is such a great place. It's so diverse and and beautiful. I think the closest thing that you know we have up here in North Carolina that resembles it is is the Roanoke River system. Um, yeah, Eastern North Carolina. Yeah, and Eastern yeah, Eastern North Carolina. So. Um, but we're definitely going to make our way down to Florida and see you. That's, that's guaranteed. It's going to happen. I, uh, I, I just tell you that, you know, there are so many opportunities in Florida and I am blessed. Uh, you know, the, it's kind of interesting here. We go way off tangent, but I found out, uh, my, my mom died, uh, 96 years old or 97, sorry, 97. She died, uh, July, I think it was 17th. So right after I cast. And, um, anyway, uh, she was telling me a story about why we ended up in Florida because my dad was born and raised Louisiana, LSU, all their families from there, that side from Louisiana. Um, and, uh, my dad's sister's husband was Dean of men at LSU and they had a Dean of men's conference. Dad was just out of the Navy. And so they, said you want to and married and so they said you want to uh, go to this dean of men's conference which is kind of a mini vacation to florida so they came over here and there was a professor you know they got to meet dad and because he was hanging around with the with the you know the meetings and conference and all well they they asked him to be an interim professor because they had a, a professor there that at U- university of florida that was an alcoholic and they had to get rid of him and and so because of an alcoholic, I'm born and raised in Florida rather than Louisiana. That's not saying anything about Louisiana because I love crawfish and that fishing over there is an amazing. They got amazing fisheries and hunting and I got lots of friends and lots of relatives. So Louisiana is awesome. But man, I'm telling you, Florida, I got the, the Gulf right on, on, on the west coast i can go over there and be there in an hour you know i can be over on the beaches in less than an hour i can be you know fishing toho and orange lake one of the best big bass lakes in the world and 
I mean, it's just, it's good. And guess what? I'm 67 years old and I've seen snow probably seven or eight times. That's it. So we don't have snow. I, I'm not really <laughs> fond of the white stuff. You know, I've always said <laughs> when, when you see those fire hydrants and they got those big stakes sticking out the top of it with the little yep. antenna or whatever, you will never find me living there. <laughs> and and i can tell you those poles are necessary but when the snow is too high you still end up hitting them with a snowmobile i've done that one time <laughs> do you do you feel like you've do you feel like when you entered into the professional fishing world do you feel like the era that you grew up since the the 80s was the best time compared to now <sighs> i I don't know. I think there's so much good in fishing. I, I mean, I just, I'm so passionate about the sport. I can tell you when we got into it, when I got into it, you know, I fished my first BASS in 77 and I mean, loved it. I mean, absolutely loved it. Made a check 28th place. I got my trophy right outside my office here on the wall. Uh, and so, you know, it's one of those things where, it's such an all-encompassing sport. You'll see so many guys that come out of, whether it's professional fish, football, uh, baseball, all kinds of different sports, and when they're done with the, with the ones that are so demanding on their body, then they go to fishing, you know? We have motorcycle racers that, that were professional motorcycle racers in Cambo. It covers the, the gauntlet of, of, of whatever. But the cool thing about fishing is that you can do it two years old, you know, I, I used to take my, my kids fishing and my grandkids fishing and, and, um, you can do it when you're two or three years old and enjoy every minute of it and, and squeal and catch fish and just have a fun time. And then you can take it all the way to professional level. Like I have, and you can keep going till you're 92, 93, 94, you can still fish. The fish doesn't know, what's on the other end of the line. It doesn't know who you are. And so it doesn't matter. You don't have to be six, six and two forty and be able to, to be able to play, you know, you can play. And so to me, it's a, just a great sport that has so many different variables. You know, it'd be like having a basketball court where your, your hoop was always moving, you know, yeah. and that's the way a fish is. A fish is always moving. You know, now that we got that forward facing sonar, we go, Oh, there he is. Now he isn't there for long. He's moving, you know, now yeah. sometimes yeah. like at, at, uh, at some of those Texas, like they'll stick on a stump or something and you got him and you go, Oh, this is cool. But most of the time you hit them and they're kind of moving off over here, moving over there and you've got to find them. And, but it's the same thing, you know? So I think about the other sports that are very, you know, well paid and and uh, and and very well known, and I think of the the little variables that they have compared to what we have, because every little detail changes the fish. I mean, when the yeah. wind changes direction, it blows a little harder. You get clouds covering the sun. You get early morning, late evening. You get fronts, high pressure. I mean, it just keeps going, and every every bit of that changes the fish, and you have to keep up with them. And that's really a, the toughest part of it. Yeah, we, we say it all the time, and, you know, you're not – when you fish a tournament, you're what, first you're gambling on yourself, basically, is what it right. is, is how we always put it. But you're not really fishing against the guys you're fishing against. Like, they're there doing the same – you're truly fishing against Mother Nature. It's not just it's not just that large mouth or small mouth or spot or, or whatever it is you're fishing for. 
because it's like you said, water rises or falls a little bit, high pressure, low pressure, wind, rain, sun, snow, sleet, everything changes the way a fish acts. And Absolutely. Um, it, 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 I never thought about it in comparison to other sports. Do you think you see football uh, or baseball or them and they, they get all bent out of shape when they start getting a bunch of wind or snow, it makes it hard to throw the ball, you know, whatever. But it doesn't completely change the, the sport where when you get a high-pressure system, it completely changes the, the game that day because those fish act completely different. Uh, yeah, yeah, and and I think another important thing too. And I asked you the question about like, do you feel like you grew up in a better era compared to now? But you know, unless there's an unforeseen circumstance, like your shelf life in this sport is so much longer than than the, any of the other sports for the most part, physically speaking, right? Like you, right. like you said, six four, you need to run a forty and four two or less, or whatever the case may be. Now that's not the case. We had you know Hunter Bogman on the show who fishes the MPFL and he is the epitome of resiliency being a quadriplegic, no, you know, and, uh, amputee. He's a or, quadriplegic. yeah, amputee. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, amputee. I mean, it just goes to show you and there's plenty of stories out there, but I asked the question just because of how much negativity is going around. And, and we have a, a motto mm-hmm. here, which is continuing to grow a culture of anglers, helping anglers. Mm-hmm. And we just want to not be divisive and just, you know, hunt the good stuff, if you will, in, in the even in the angling in general, but professional fishing world, there's so much to be happy about and have fun doing and things like that, uh, you know. And so do you feel like the fun is being kind of like sucked out of the sport at the professional level? No, I, I think what we have and it's and it's in America and it's probably in the world overall, but there has been a lot of division and that wasn't there, you know, 20 years ago. And, um, and it's really strange to see it, to be honest with you. But everything that I've ever done has been to better the sport. And that's how Major League Fishing started, was to better the sport. And I see people taking sides, you know, well, Bass or Major League, and, and then they get all bent out of shape about it, like you said. And, and my thing is, is that it opened the door for a lot of anglers, a whole bunch of new anglers to get in to that professional level if we'd all just stayed at Bass there was going to be very little turnover, you know, yeah. three or four or five guys in a year, something like that, if that many. And so it really didn't open the sport up where this opened it up. And, and that's really what it was about was to be for the angler. So it, it's, it's not really what's going on. It's, as, it's more of how people are taking it because our sport has always been where, you know, when I started in bass, you just paid an entry fee. You know, and once you paid that entry fee, you were a professional. That's all there was to it. You paid the entry fee, you're a professional. And, you know, to me, I had fished five bass tournaments before I went professional. When I went professional, I fished every one of them. Before that, I would cherry pick one in Florida and, and you know, to come and enjoy and do whatever. And that's what I did. Um, but once 84 rolled around, 1984, I... I that's, That's all right. Phone here. I'll, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I can just turn it off. Joe's calling. How do you get this thing to just up? Anyway, sorry about that. No, uh, you're totally fine. But anyway, when That's I was, great content right there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> like a 
flustered. The same thing with the computer. It's like, come on, man, work. Just boom. You know what's funny is we're talking about generations, and there's probably some folks that are going to listen to this, and that's the first time they ever heard a house phone. They're like, what's a house phone? <laughs> what's a house phone? Shaw, what is a house phone? I mean, I mean it's true. I've never had a house phone. You know, so, so personally, you me and my parents do, but yeah. When I was younger, I'd go to the phone, the only phone, because we didn't have cell phones, right? Go to the phone, I'd pick it up, and somebody would be talking. And I'm like, yep. really? I can't make a call. I'd have to put it down. Party line. You know, yeah. and you yeah. wait, you pick it up, get, oh, son of a gun, can't she quit talking? And you just, and so that's what we had. So we had, you know, people in the neighborhood all on party lines. And yep. and uh, and then it was all dial phone. Yeah. So, yeah. But, the but anyway, so when I started, that oh, was go when, ahead. you know, 84, I went full-time professional. And, and so, yeah, it was, um, it was pay your money. So now they have developed tours like the elite series and like the Bass Pro Tour that are, that you have to qualify for. So you have to prove that you're really good. And uh, Major League Fishing, instead of making it normal, they, and, and, they went to a fit are going to go to a 50 man field instead of an 80 man field. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know how to take that myself because um, I've been all for the anglers, right? I mean, that's what I'm for. Mm -hmm. And, but there is every sport is competitive. And if you're not one of the top cream of the crop, you're not going to be in the NBA. You're not going to be in, uh, you know, major league, baseball you're not going to be in that position unless you are one of the best so you know cutting the field down um just cuts the field down and it makes it that much harder and that much more elite but those 30 guys that kind of are going to lose their spot that's where the hurt comes in and so uh yeah I, i i see that but but you know they're still doing everything they can and so is bass doing everything they can to keep the sport rolling. And that's the big thing. It is a great sport. And I truly don't understand any of the division and the, and the, you know, the angst that we have in the, in the industry, it shouldn't be there. We're we're anglers and we ought to be tied as anglers, like a brotherhood, uh, you know, and that's the way it should be. And if you, if you supported your brother, you know, you're happy for them when they do good and, and sad when they do bad and it doesn't matter what tour you're on. And I, you know, I've, I've been that way my lifetime. I've, I've uh, had sponsors where when you switch products, all of a sudden the sponsor hated you, you know, and it's like, I, you know, me, if, if the guy leaves the product and, you know, I, I may be with lose, but this guy may be with another real company, but he was used to be with lose. I'm still buddies with him. I, yeah, well, that's not a. I mean, buddies first. You know what I mean? Friends first. That's right. Fishermen first. We don't worry about the little stuff, and that's where I think people take it a little too far. They, they, they get tweaked out, and they and they want to, and that's just part of society now. Because, you know, it really wasn't that way before. So did I? Did I enjoy it? In the, yes, absolutely. It was a great time. It was a great time because you're constantly learning and and has so many great breakthroughs in what to do and how to do it and and uh, and it's not any different in that sense because you know like we all of a sudden now we have forward sonar you know and and we have you know structure scan the side scan we have all this cool stuff going on so we still have major breakthroughs but um, but overall the sport was a lot of fun back there. 
lot of fun. Yeah. I, th- you know, I think you made a great point about it's kind of society that's divisive and, or just a microcosm because 20 years ago, you know, you had Bass, FLW, um, a few TV shows, including yours. But if you wanted to watch, get bass fishing content, you would watch TV show, read the magazine, and maybe there was some coverage on on ESPN or something. And that was it. Could you imagine if Bassmaster Magazine, like there was a comment section back then? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, there was. You just had to write a letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you might get your letter to the editor. That's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But you bring up a really good point. And, and Shaw, I think this goes to what you were saying. Like, Everybody had a voice 20 years ago, but now you can see everybody's voice. You can hear everybody's voice. Um, and everything is up to interpretation. Um, that's why I ask you if, if that is clouding, if that's the black cloud that's over angling in general, um, that is creating division and things like that. And then, you know, what, what can we do? besides doing shows like this where we're trying to help each other and just, you know, whether whatever you believe in is what you believe in. But what, what do you think based on your experience and being on this earth for a lot longer than most of these guys, uh, what can we do to fix that? You know, I think the biggest thing is um, try to not pay attention to the, the BS that's out there and, focus on what's in here because that's the, that's the biggest thing, you know, I'm a big Christian too. So, you know, I've got Christ in here and that helps me, you know, handle any of those situations. So, but in looking at it, if we all just took a moment to think about the other guy and where he's coming from and whatever, and not, not take it like, you know, this guy's bad, you know, look at it as, why why do you have these feelings kind of deal and kind of process yeah. it a little bit but uh it sure does make it easier but we're all trying to uh, all trying to do the same thing i mean the, the sport is just a great sport we're all just trying to make a living in it and enjoy it and so everything that helps out doesn't matter what organization everything that helps that sport is good and and we need to be you know supporting it and supporting each other and that's pretty much the bottom line yeah, we, we completely agree. And we talk about it all the time when we talk about the, the sport and kind of the industry and um, everybody wants, you hear the, it's a, it's kind of a cliche term, right? Like grow the sport. And we say all the time, everybody talks about growing the sport until it's time to grow the sport. And that's when people start getting <laughs> tight lipped and they don't want to share, you know, what they've learned yeah. and they don't want to, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it, it's folks like yourself and I think back to my childhood and like coming up and fishing and people that were instrumental in that, you know, obviously outside of my dad and folks that helped was like watching you and watching, watching Bill dance and watching Hank Parker. And, and that was where you learned that stuff or you read Bass magazine or, or, you know, whatever, whatever media you had. And it was always a positive light. They were sharing that information. And a lot of what you see now is guys taking pictures with fish with baits blurred out <laughs> the background's hidden because they're afraid you're going to see their spot. And I get that to a point. If you're practicing for a tournament or something, you want to try to hide some information. I totally get that. But when it comes down to, to Joe blow on his home Lake and he's not fishing for a bunch of money, he's just out there fishing. I think people take it too far. And for me, I think a lot of it's just, like you said, the country has an ego problem, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, And people just, they, they act different. Um, And I think a lot of that has to do with, and I hate to say it, social media because we all use it. But you know, yeah, when yeah. you can hide behind a, a computer, 
uh, it makes it a lot easier to kind of to throw that divisive stuff out there. But moving on from that, you f- you started in '84. Um, was that your? Did you have a win that? I know the early '80s you had your first win on the pro level. I can't yeah, remember I think was it was that in '84, '86. Yeah, yeah, you had a string so, of wins there in Texas. Yeah, I won a won a few at Rayburn, and um, and that was that was really fun. You know, it wasn't it was like one one year, and then we didn't fish it the next, and then I won the next one, and then we didn't fish it for a year, and then I think I won three out of four tournaments. The one I didn't win, Jim Nolan won on a big Carolina rig, but um, three out of four that we held on Rayburn. So that was that was fun. That's fun. Yeah, and then you're you you fished all the big tours too because you fished FLW, right? You fishing for yeah, FLW in championships. The early days, right? I did that in the early days. I fished FLW when they first started, and and uh, man, there was even World Bass that was when it started. And oh, that's uh, right, I forgot about that, World Bass. Yeah, that that here in my desk, ten grand that bounced. <laughs> Still bounces. <laughs> I'll never get paid for that. <laughs> I keep it, you know, memento, man. <laughs> That's right. The ten grand that could have been, it could have been, right? <laughs> it could have been. Yeah. But, you'll uh, see it twenty thirty. You'll see it in your taxes yeah, or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll. Uh, I. Uh, but you know, I and, and so I fished operation bass too which was before flw and golden blend was before flw that was kind of the the deal you know and i won the all-american then i won the golden blend tournament too so you know i've uh, you know i've got nine bass wins but i have a number of other wins too in other organizations and even the u.s bass uh over on the st john so um yeah it's like i said it's it's a great sport uh great i I still love this time. I think that people are, are making it tougher, you know, Agreed. themselves. When you look at it, it's still great. It's, I mean, I get out on tour. Those guys are great guys, a lot of fun, good to hang out with. They, they, you know, they can be your best buddy down on the water. They're not, they're not going to be your best buddy, you know, but you know, when you're, when you take off, you're going to have a hamburger, man, it's a, it's, it's another family. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's nobody out there that wouldn't, you're broke down. that isn't going to stop and help you and grab your fish, come on, get in and, and do their best to get you back to weigh in. And that's the family of bass fishermen. And that's across that's the right. board. Doesn't matter what organization yep. that's across the board. And, and um, yeah, uh, I certainly I love it. And you know, when I, when I do retire, it's going to be, it's going to be sad because I'll miss those guys. That's my, that's why it's just like military. That's your family, man. Those are the guys mm-hmm. that, that stood beside you through a lot of tough stuff. And that's it's, right. it's kind of hard just to, to step away from that. Yeah. But you'll still have all those memories. I think that's the most important thing is separating business decisions from, from the actual, like, uh, you know, just privilege of bass fishing or just being in the outdoors in general. Like I don't, ever hear anybody talk about a terrible fishing experience but i do hear terrible business decisions and so if you can read between the lines and look at a business decision versus like fishing itself uh, i think we'll be in a better place i did want to ask you about you know yeah you talked about the nine bass wins you have multiple wins but out of since the 70s what is your most memorable victory not in bass, just in general. It could be a local derby or anything. What what one thing 
one derby comes to your mind? Gosh, I mean, every one of them is special. I mean, really special. And there's certain fish in certain tournaments you just go, wow, you know, I can't believe that happened or that you landed him or, or whatever. I don't know that I have one, you know, that just stands out above the, the rest of them. Um, you know, the one in Toho was pretty cool uh, before, I think it was a year or two before the Rojas deal, you know, where he caught so many. So it was probably 99 or 2000. Wait a minute. I probably have it. Let's see. There's 2000 up on Toho. It, it might've been 2000 at Toho. I'm just kind of looking, I can't really read the other ones. I got to have glasses anyway. So um, I got the plaques up here on the wall. Anyway, yeah. I'm so, jealous of um, you having to figure out which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of them anyway, uh, the day one, and I was telling this story uh, yesterday, I think, but day one, uh, I was I was down on, on uh, Cypress and Toho, and I caught, I caught a whopping 32-pound sack, right, in the tournament. Mm. And second place was Russ Bringer, uh, who uh, started, I think, Gambler Baits and all that. Russ Bringer, and Russ had 19 pounds. That's a pretty memorable tournament, yeah. you know, and I went on to win that one, but you know, when you've got 32 and second has 19, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. That was, that was yeah. fun. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't Timmy Horton issue where, you know. I was just going to say, just did you go order a pizza? Yeah. <laughs> how did you, Timmy, how did you, how did you, how did you catch him? He has had a number of those. I know. Mm -hmm. So that I, I had some sight fish and then I went flipping. So, and I did everything. So I, that, that I had sight fish that I was catching then I caught a big and flipping. Then I went back and caught an eight pounder and during cold, I had 32 pounds. And then I had the cold front came and I had to scramble and all, but I still hung on to it. When you got a big lead like that, you hung on to win it. But so, uh, but that was memorable. And, and, you know, the last one at Harris chain really that I won in bass was really fun. And, um, and then, uh, especially when I caught like a 10, 10 even or whatever on a big old swim bait, you know, and, and uh, off a of bed so that was that was cool so you remember these little special yeah. fish and and uh and seminole i mean i just i, I mean i can go on I, I love them all even even a local one so i got we got uh did a little uh deal uh uh charity tournament benefit for a, a young lady that was having cancer or something and so we went to fish at my buddy and i daryl ponds and daryl's an incredible angler and so we go, we go fish that and we pull in on this spot. We just start mashing them. It was awesome. And I even caught like a five pounder on a frog, you know, you know, you're catching them on a frog. It's like, yes. Yeah. Cause that's like an addiction, you know, to, to do that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, and, and we, and we won that one. And it was like, you know, every, every win is special. Every win is just really, really cool. And even the second places are and stuff like that. But, I, I, all I can say is, guys, I have been, I am probably one of the most blessed human beings in the, in the world because I've made a living doing what I truly love to do for 40 years now. It's 41 this next year. I started in 84. We just finished, uh, you know, 2023. That's 40 years. Uh, this next year will be 41. will be the, the start of 41. So, 
and making a living something that you truly love to do. I mean, you, you're not, it's not like, Oh, I got to go fishing. You know, it's like, man, yeah. let's go, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's the biggest blessing you can have, you know? And mm-hmm. so I got a great wife and kids, grandkids. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, I'm very blessed. If it all ended today, it's, it's no problem with that at all. It It's really, it really is all about those memories and those, those great moments. It's awesome. You've had so many great ones over the career in your, your last 40 years. I do want to ask, because I, I think we all have them. What's the one fish that haunts you the most? I, I do have that. <laughs> <laughs> I We've it. all got it, Shaw. We've all got that one. Ben had to go there and break your heart. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I was leading angler of the year, had it by a bunch. It was in that hundred point system, you know, when we went to a hundred points and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and we were going to the last term of the year and, um, you know, the still, the tournaments were still by pounds, but your position was by points. So I think I had a 20, 20 something point edge. So, I mean, it was like wrapped up for angler of the year and, um, and doggone it if I didn't mess up the first day and like zero or not catch much. And, but then I got back on track and I'm catching pretty good. And, and oh, I think it was the final day I, I, I knew I needed, like I said, man, just one more. And I've got this thing, you know, got it locked because as long as I stay in the top 25, you know, nobody can beat me. And <clears throat> I'm pitching a, I believe it was a crawl and around you know standing trees and all and i i pitch it over there's this log land you know and i pitch it over and instead of it hitting the log and falling down the side of the log it hit the log and went over it you know just Mm. caught it probably a quarter inch too high so that the momentum took it over the top of it as it fell down about a three and a half pounder eats it I set the hook well he's coming out of that log so he's here coming all the way back to me Mm. just tail walking it like it mm. hit a nerve or something in his mouth and he was totally nutso just like going crazy and i'm like oh my gosh oh my gosh and my line is going around that log <laughs> and i just so happened to only be using 17 which i probably should have been using 20 or 25 but uh, he broke me off and that fish cost mm. me angle of the year mm. and it rocks you pretty hard um you know you don't have like multiple opportunities. I had a lot of opportunities. I finished, you know, second, I finished, I don't know, whatever angle of the year, but I would stay in that top four or five for maybe four or five, six years, but you don't have that all the time. You know, I'm not a Kevin Van Dam that's, that's there every year. And I remember talking to him one time, he, he finished, he finished like, I don't know, 13th or 14th for angle of the year. And I said, man, that's good. And he's like, he was not happy. <laughs> That's not Kevin. Kevin is, you, no, you don't miss it. You know, first or second, maybe. But first is where he's supposed to be. And if he is second or third, he went not like. And, and it was really cool. I mean, look, Kevin's probably the best, um, not only the best bass fisherman we've ever had, but one of the best people we've ever had in the sport. Just tremendous. What a heart. What a great, great guy. And, um, but I realized real quick the difference in thought process, you know, and to me, I'm like, dude, that's, that's good, man. He, you know, finished like top 15 or whatever. And, and he was like devastated. So, you know, the difference between a mega champion and an okay anchor, you know, so yeah. that's, that, that's pretty cool. We, we hear we heard that a lot about KVD and it's just a mindset. I think every angler brings their own unique 
right. mindset. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're professionally fishing or not. Like yeah. uh, the three of us at this table, we've all learned something uh, from each other, whether or not that's mental resiliency or how to bed fish or how to fish offshore. Like I think that's the greatest part about just this environment in general is a, is a constant stimulation of learning, learning animal behavior, learning human behavior, you know, technology, mechanics, all that stuff. It, it's so, like you said at the beginning of the show, it's all encompassing. Everything yes. is a variable. So yeah. yeah. It's funny to hear more about Kevin because you hear you do hear from me. We had John John Cruz on uh, a few episodes back. You, I, I think, it's another guy who's a great steward of the sport and and just an all around good guy. And uh, he told us he thought Kevin was one of the best at the mental game side of uh, of things, and and particularly talked about you know Kevin and Aaron's battles. And we all remember watching Kevin and Aaron Martin's battle without it in so many events. Yeah. And uh, you know, John was like, it always impressed me because he he could just look over at Aaron. And it could just be a little wink or something, and he could completely spin Aaron out on that tournament. And you know, Kevin may not have been the best fisherman that week, but he could he could play those play games. those mind games. And and like you said, that's that competitive nature, not being yeah, happy I, with thirteenth. I know, uh, Kevin. We we were fishing, um, and I think I did pretty good. I may may have made a top eight or something. It was on Wheeler, I guess, uh, in Alabama. And there was a guy, and I'm trying to remember his name. I don't have good, you know, memory on names, but uh, he he actually won the tournament, so he he was doing real well. And he caught a caught a school of fish, and Kevin and him are fighting out for first and second. And he caught a fish and landed Jeremy Starks. That's his name. So he landed this fish, and he says, "Kevin, who holds it up to the camera? Kevin, who?" <laughs> and, and did it, and, and of course. <laughs> I was like, you don't poke Superman. Kevin won like three of the next four. I mean, he just beat us all like a drum. You don't, you don't get him. You get him fired up, man. He just turns it on and just like wipes you out. There's nothing. I mean, anyway, it was pretty funny. This guy's his only tournament win ever. And, and, and he says that. And, and Kevin just like crushes him every tournament after that. He's like killing him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he was definitely an intimidator. That's for sure. Um, what what does it look like for you in in twenty twenty four? Fishing the Invitationals. How much longer do you think you're going to keep trucking along? Is there a time stamp on it, or is there conditions you have to set, or is it just like you said at the beginning, we're going to roll with the punches and see where it goes? You know, I do. I, I roll with the punches, but um, you know, physically, uh, you know, I'm. I mean, I'd be straightforward, honest, man. I try to be as honest as I can physically. I don't know that there's a day that goes by when it isn't a, a painful day, <laughs> but I don't want that pain to stop me from doing what I love to do. So I just go. And I think fishing is, is one of those things where I can forget it while I'm doing, it. you know, it's still there. I'll, I'll lip a fish and I, you know, I've got bone on bone. I had a thumb surgery two years ago, it was bone on bone. So it's still, still a little pain, but the left thumb, oh my gosh, I can't tell you how many penalties I got for losing a fish, you know, holding them in the thumb, they'd shake. I couldn't handle it. And, and the pain of, of that, and it buckles you sometimes. And, but, um, uh, you know, so physically at some point I'm going to say, 
I'm not going to do it anymore. You know, I, I, I can't, like, I can't make the cast or I can't work a jerk bait because my wrists and there'll be things like that that happen. And, um, it could be, could be 24, you know, I may hang it up at the end of 24 and <clears throat> I've got, uh, three grandkids. I've got a wonderful wife that just, we, we took a neat vacation a big cruise flew over to Rome and got on a ship and yeah. went through all the islands and Greece and, and uh, even up to Istanbul. And I mean, it was, uh, got to see Ephesus, which is Ephesians in the Bible, mm -hmm. got to see, you know, where Mary's church was the, you know, it's just like, wow. You know, it's, it, it was incredible. And I just said, you know, I, I think this is what I want to do. I want to, I want to spend time with my wife and just enjoy life and spend time with the family. And so at some point I'll do it and it might be 2024 might be 2024 yeah. that I just pack it up and say, I'm out, you know? And, and, uh, the good thing is I'll still do seminars and sports shows and stuff. And the cool thing about when you retire from tournaments that you have that opportunity now, because yeah. I get calls from the you know, promoter and he goes, he'll text me and say, man, are you free on this? You know, everybody else is busy. And, and you're like, no, I'm at the same tournament or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> now, if you're not in the tournament, you go, oh, yeah, I can do that. So, you know, yeah. you'll be able to do seminars and sports shows and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Well, I, you can't blame somebody for wanting to spend time with their family and, and uh, you know, soaking up those experiences. And traveling abroad is a, is a great opportunity to get to learn the world. I mean, there's so much out there. I, I think I know more history about other countries than I do our own because I spent so much time overseas. But uh I, I can definitely attest to uh, going to Rome and Istanbul, both of those places I've been to, and uh, they're pretty cool. You can't see enough of it, though. Uh, it's Dude, too big. You just can't see I, enough of it. It's it's amazing. So we, you know, we went to the big whatever the Colosseum is, and in Rome, and and we just said we're walking back to the motel. We're not going to take a cab or any bus or anything. We're just walking, and we walked. You know, it was over an hour of walking, and it was unbelievable that every corner, every few steps was more history, more yeah. excavations, more cool stuff that, I mean, from, from you know, oh, my gosh, way before Christ, it was just, it was cool. So, yes, I, I mean, it was, it was amazing. We'd love to go back, um, and we had a great time in, in any of the countries. It was just it was special. So yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm That's not awesome. sure that, that Americans are so welcome in a lot of places anymore, but, but it was, it was real, real, real special. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we, we put a post on uh, our, our group for our listeners and stuff and, and asked them if they had any questions. So you got the best three. Yeah. I got a few we're going to ask you. And this person said, they'll know who you'll know who this was yeah. by the question, yep. but he wants to know who has the best mustache in bass fishing. <laughs> That's how. That's how. I love that guy. He is so good. <laughs> he's awesome. Yeah. He's got a good one, man. He really does. He's got a good one. Yeah. He does. He does. Yeah. How's how's kind of like that local uh, local legend in our parts where every, everybody knows how. And uh, I don't remember how old he is, yeah. but I saw him at dinner a couple couple months ago, and uh, I think he f he told me uh, he fished like thirty some tournaments this year. He did. It, yeah. It was it was crazy how many tournaments he was fishing. Yeah. Almost every weekend. 
we're we're actually we actually plan on getting Hal on the show um because so many people you know they see professional angling at the the bpt the elites level but there's there's so many more opportunities to be a professional angler whether or not that's at the local regional or national level uh and it, it's your definition of professional but anybody who can do it for a living and pay the bills uh you know i think is probably professional enough so we definitely want to have hal on the show and he's been a great uh he's a great mentor um, and he definitely speaks very highly of you. So that's funny. Yeah. You picked that out right away. Yeah. Yeah. I got to ask. <laughs> what's, um, all right. What's the next one? Rodney asked, what was, what do you think was the number one key to your success in fishing? Wow. Um, so, I mean, I'd have to say, so if I look at my nine BASS wins, uh, one of them was on a spinnerbait and all the rest, revolved around sight fishing you know whether it was one day two days and i had to adapt or something like that but they all had sight fishing involved into them so you know probably as a kid living in florida and having so many bodies of water that were clear enough to sight fish Mm. and to learn because back you know in my age when i was 16 15 16 people said you couldn't catch a bass off a bed all the local guys you know the guys are really good guys that would catch them all the time they go you can't get when they're on the bed you can't catch them Mm. and of course you're a kid and you don't catch many anyway but there's a three pounder sitting there not moving on a big white spot you go what do I got to lose? So you start playing and playing and playing and playing and changing baits and playing and playing. And all of a sudden you go, Oh my gosh, he bit, you know, and then you're all excited. And then you learn that yes, you could. And so I was one of the early guys in the sight fishing deal. And then I got paired with Guido and Guido Hibden. And he, he was kind of the father of that sight fishing. And he, he, uh, he showed me a few deals that just, you know, helped out. So that was, that was something that really, you know, helped out was doing something, you know, Denny Brower talk about it. He'd say, you know, uh, he, he really specialized in flipping. And he said he would just do be okay in whatever tournament, if you're cranking and doing all the rest, but when they hit a flipping tournament, he was going to mash you and that's what he did you know and so having a specialty was was really kind of cool so and so when i did get in some of those tournaments you know i was able to to (laughs) knock it out and win and and uh but i think it's you know everything in life comes down to a couple things and it's it's about passion it's about passion and loving it you know it wasn't about money there's never a time when i was like you know i got into fishing for money there wasn't much money in it back then, you know, so you were leading a poor life, but, but it was something that I love doing. I love fishing. I had the passion for it. And when you have that, then you're, when you love something and you enjoy doing it, then you're willing to do more of it. You're willing to take the time it takes to get good at it. You're willing to take the time it takes that it, whether it's map study, whether it's studying, you know, all the different things and, and putting the time in. And so I remember here's another Denny Brower deal, New York, you know, I'm, I'm a young kid trying to make it in, in New York and, and, you know, early seasons of my, uh, of my BASS career. And I'd get to the ramp and I'd the headlights would sweep the ramp. And I mean, it's dark. So, I mean, it's slap dark and the headlights would sweep the ramp and there's a truck water dripping off the trailer. It'd be Denny Briars. And I'm like, 
dude, what the heck is this? He's like way early, you know? <laughs> so then I fish all day, be tired, dog tired. I'd come in, load my deal. Denny Breyer's truck was still there and he wasn't broke down. He was fishing. That guy was and that just shows you uh, what a real professional is willing to do. You're, you're going to be willing to work as hard as you can for something that you love, that you're passionate mm -hmm. about. So that really drives you in every aspect of life. If you have mm -hmm. that, that desire and that passion, then you're able to, you're able to over, overcome a lot. And that doesn't mean you're going to be hundred percent. You're going to do it, but you're able to overcome a lot. You know, that's interesting. I know Pete's got a third one for you, but it, it, it's interesting. Like I find myself showing up two hours to the boat ramp before, like on a weekend, I'm not even fishing a tournament two hours before it even gets light out. And almost every time there's somebody with a trailer parked in, <laughs> in the parking lot and I feel bad. I'm like, well, I'm not doing enough. I should have got here earlier, you know, but you're absolutely right. Like that deep down motivation, that heart that just, that just drives you. Um, it's hard to get, it's hard to get sleep before you go fishing and it's hard to come off the water because you just want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, and that is true. That, that desire and drive, you know, is, it makes a lot and, um, yeah. So, all right, what you got for the third one? The last one I have, uh, anybody that knows knows you or has followed you knows that your faith is a big part of who you are. Uh, so Jeff wanted to know how faith has helped your fishing and how fishing has helped your faith. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely the, the faith helping my fishing, but the fishing has helped my faith. I'll, I'll explain that. So, uh, yeah, I got saved January 22nd, uh, 1990, and – and, you know, I wish I could say I was saved, you know, when I was a kid, but um, greatest moment in my life, okay, is accepting Jesus Christ. Um, you know, what's really cool is that, you know, they've never found anything, you know, all the Bible stories and all like that. They've never found any artifacts that disprove the Bible. Everything has proved the Bible for what it is. It is a great historic document and um, historical document. And so... It, it hurts me. It hurts my heart when somebody doesn't believe in Jesus Christ. And, um, and so, you know, in the sense of it helping me, knowing Jesus has allowed me that peace and that calm to pursue the fishing and to concentrate on it and, and know that, uh, you know, he's got my back and, 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 and that platform that he's given me allows me to share him, which is really cool. So now I can share it to other people that, so somebody will listen to me talk about Jesus Christ when, because they know me as an angler, as a fisherman that's done well. And um, so where if I was just a regular, you know, guy, some people close to me would listen, but not a lot of people. So, you know, that really expanded that, you know, my fishing helped me with sharing my, my testimony and my, my faith. And so, yeah, it's, um, like I said, it's the greatest single thing. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, it's a great time right now because the world is kind of in shambles and it's following the Bible. If you read Re revelations and, and a lot of the stuff in there, it talks about, you know, what's going on and it's what's going on right now. So, uh, you know, time, 
time is not something that that follows our definition of time time in the bible so it, it could happen tomorrow it could happen you know another 20 years but i wouldn't take the chance i can just tell you you know it's a it's a great walk it's a great walk to walk with jesus the 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 state of of the world you know depending on if you if you read you know the bible or if you're a religious person whatever you believe in but uh how does that translate to the state of the industry if you will not the industry not the business part of it but what do you see the future of professional bass fishing looking like you know i i uh i think it's going to do fine okay i think uh i i think some of the political aspects uh can definitely hinder a lot of stuff and and uh, i'm i'm hopeful you know I, my hopes in jesus my, i'm very hopeful that that we will continue uh to live and thrive and be able to have fishing and and enjoy that for you know in the future so um yeah so i mean i don't, I don't know if i answered your question no, or not i think but. it's i think it's important for people to to understand like not what it what is going on in the country uh, i think we get so hyper focused on like domestically what's going on yes. um you know and that's why words that you were spoken like i think that people need to have faith of whatever that is right something to look forward to something to uh you know to to see like hey listen like i may not be in a good place right now but you know like i have a future um and i think we get so wrapped around so much of the negative but we also don't pay attention to what's going on around us to posture ourselves uh, in, in a, in a place, whether or not it's in business or in our personal lives or with our faith or anything like that. Um, but I asked about the state of, of fishing because there are a lot of things going on in the world and I know we can't control them, uh, but we can influence them. And so looking at everything from a global perspective, if you follow world news and things like that, I just asked you if you had an opinion on, you know, because you see a lot of these companies, right? Um, big companies soaking up little companies, um, and, and when I'm just talking in the, in the fishing world, but you see it all over, um, does that hurt the future of professional fishing for guys to actually make an income and provide for their families? No, I think, I think the, the future is, is pretty bright. Uh, I think the economy right now is really bad. And so that's going to be dismal for, you know, this year, whatever, maybe two, but, um, uh, you know, like I said, have faith that 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 it never lasts. It's something that keeps you know will cycle back around. And so, um, yeah, I think once we get out of this terrible economy where we're, you know, it's just uh, really tough. And the uh, as soon as we get out of that environment, you know, we lasted through the eighties. Eighty three was brutal, and we lasted, of course, oh eight was brutal, and I think there was another one in there, oh eight oh nine. So, so, you know, you have these, these times when it's really bad, but you know, it, it'll be followed by, you know, good times. And that's, that's the deal. It's just, you know, uh, remember it's going to come around and, you know, like it says in the Bible, fight a good fight. Uh, you, you just fight the good fight and keep, keep going and, and do what's right. You know, that's the thing, you know, and do everything you can to make this a better, better place for all of us. That's what you do, mm -hmm. you know, Amen to and, that. um, that's it. I say it all the time. Just be a decent human. 
There you go. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I, I have one more question for you, Sean, then we'll see if Ben has anything. And then we're coming up on uh, an hour and a half and we'll, we'll give you, give your night back. Cause I know you're a busy man. Do you think we'll ever see bass fishing get back to the, the days of the early two thousands with the non endemics, the big sit go teams, all of that kind of thing. Do you believe we'll ever see that again in bass fishing? Um, I would think so. I would think so. I think, you know, COVID really, really racked the industry. And, and then, you know, politically, we, you know, it's whacked our, our country. So, um, so once that cycles around, and if the economy comes back, then absolutely, you know, I tell you what has changed is that there are so many, like, like you were talking about in the old days, it was TNN, and ESPN, ESPN had a little bit of programming. TNN had a lot of outdoor programming with mm-hmm. Bill Dance mm-hmm. and Roland and all that. And um, and so, you know, you only had select locations where you go watch fishing. Now it's 24-7 anywhere you want to go, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's YouTube, all these social media channels, all these deals. So it's at your fingertips and it's instantaneous and, and there's tons and tons of stuff that come out daily. So, you know, fresh, new, exciting. So I'm not so sure that we'll ever see that exciting time of television anymore. I think people are still going to enjoy the content and the stuff, but it's being more, more now on social media channels. And uh, that seems to be the big driver now. So what that means is that a professional angler may not have the pull that he used to have in the, in the 80s. So the, and this, this, I'll give you a little history lesson here when I started. And so when these guys started, even the bill dances, the outdoor riders were the experts. Those were the guys, you know, the riders themselves. So they weren't necessarily the fishermen, but they were the expert fishermen. And that's who you listen to, to get your knowledge. Well, then came along the bill dances, the roller Martin, the professional anglers. And all of a sudden it switched to the professional angler. And that's been there for a long time is the professional angler, the guys that know their stuff. And this is what you need to do if you're going to catch them. And, but now there's all these YouTubers that have out there, have their shows and their, their channels and their this and that. And so um, that's now where the younger generation is getting their information. And, and some of them are pretty daggum good. And some of them are just YouTubers that are not really that good. So, yeah. but, but that's where, that's where they get their knowledge. So they think that that's good. And I, I see some of the content at times. I'm just like, man, <laughs> you know, come on. but, but, but the bottom line is there's some guys are really good and they are excellent anglers. Um, you know, the, the, so yeah, it's just changed in that sense, you know, it's yeah. just changed. So I don't know if we'll ever see it back to the old, Bassmaster days, you know, I mean, when Bob Cobb would say it's day two and conditions have changed and oh, yeah. here's this front mm-hmm. coming in and can he hold on to the lead? And, you know, that's that, <laughs> that was so inspiring. It man. was, you know, that was just cool. It was a story, but like, they, they, they right. told the story through the coverage. It wasn't all live, all 24 seven where you could watch the whole day. It you know, the production behind it is, is lost. And I, I say that all the time. Like I've gone back and watched some of those old broadcasts and old classics and things like that. And, and to listen to Bob Cobb tell the story, um, 
you know, this is Bob Cobb with the Bassmasters and <laughs> wherever they are and, and talking all, and, and they built that excitement and they told the story on the water and, you know, this guy lost that fish or this guy lost this fish. Um, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head and it, there's a lot of instant gratification now and folks are, are kind of missing that, that excitement and that buildup mm-hmm. um, to, right. you know, to find out what happened at the end. So appreciate that, that insight, Ben, you got any last questions? No, I think I, I, the last point, last discussion point, I, I think you're exactly spot on. I mean, this is the big conversation right now. We've all talked about it. Life changes. The world changes. Fishing's still here. Fishing will continue to be here for 50 years, 100 years, however long the world continues. There will be people fishing in some capacity. And, uh, you know, even even if, um, you know, anglers are watching content that's maybe we wouldn't want to watch. If it gets them in the fishing, who cares? I mean, that, that is really about growing. It's about it growing the sport. So if you have people who make fun, entertaining content that, you know, is pond hopping on golf courses, right? You know, if it gets people to go to go buy a rod and reel and go out and, and hit their local golf course or pond, that's awesome. Yeah. So yeah. I, I, I think that's um, life goes on, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Well, Sean, we appreciate you, you coming on with us this evening. Uh, I want to give you an opportunity here to to plug your social media and then any sponsors that you want to mention, uh, because obviously 40, 41st year coming up, you haven't been able to do it all on your own. We know how important those partnerships are. Uh, so I want to give you a chance to make sure you can shout them out too. And people can check out the gear that you use. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been with Triton boats for, you know, so many years. I can't even remember when, it, when I started with them, but <laughs> Triton boats and Mercury outboards have been my whole career with Mercury and uh you know motor guide so i mean it's it's been really good strike king has been with me a super long time and and lose and cigar you know fishing line so i've got some of the best things i've got you know sims my clothing oh my goodness the sims is like the best stuff they, they make this shirt it's called a guide cooling hoodie right and it's a solar flex guide cooling hoodie now i can tell you something when i pull that dude out it's like you're doing the ice bucket challenge from 10 years ago. You know, you're, it, it'll, it'll ice you down. And for a Florida guy, you know, I've got it in that. I, I bought a bunch of them in the riparian camo because that camo is just, it's kind of like this camo. I got, I don't know if you can see, it's kind of like mm-hmm. that, but it's a, it's a little more green and um, it, it's fantastic for, you know, dove hunting here, bow hunting, duck hunting, because, you know, we're usually not cold you know? Yeah. And so putting that on keeps you that way. So gator hunting. I mean, it's just everything about it is really good. And then of course I wear them under my tournament jerseys and, and, you know, but anyway, Sims has been a great partner. Lawrence, I've been with Lawrence my entire career too. So a lot of my people that I've been with have been my entire career, you know, and, and uh, ever since we had jack plates, I've had a Bob machine jack plate, you know, I mean, those, those things are fun and power poles when they came out, I've had power poles. So, um, there's just some really good people. And now we got lithium batteries, you know, I'm using yeah. Battleborn and dude, those things are, how cool is that? I mean, I, I think it. of the advancements we've had of, of being able to run your batteries and have full power at the end of the day, you know, that it just doesn't quit. And that's really cool. And then they last like year after year, after year, after mm-hmm. year. Yeah. So yeah, there's a, it's been very good. I've had some great, great, people uh star brights one of them been with me a lot of years 
they make StarTron fuel treatment, they make mm-hmm. StarBright, all the cleaners and boat detailing and all that stuff. Uh, if they make it, it's probably the best in the category. That's how good they are. So I, I don't know. I probably, you know, just because I'm an old guy, I got an old brain. <laughs> I probably missed something in there. Um, but I think I covered most of my guys right there. That's okay. We're going to link all your stuff anyway, so our fans can check it <laughs> That's out. That's right. Yeah. So social media, uh, what are your official channels? Because there's a bunch of fan yeah, pages and so- stuff. Shaw Grigsby fan page is on, you know, Facebook and, uh, that's a, that's the, you know, that's the main one. Mm-hmm. I have Shaw Grigsby regular on Facebook and, uh, and I just never canceled it. You know, everybody said, oh, you need to cancel that and just get on the, on the, you know, business one. I've got both of them, but that one's tapped out. You know, they tap you out at like 5,000 people. Yeah. So my, my fan page is up to, I don't know, 60, 60 something thousand, I think, whatever. And then, awesome. Um, uh, I've got Instagram, so that's a, that's a good one too. And it's, you know, at Shaw Grigsby, but you can check them out and I can tell you, I'm not, you know, I'm an, uh, so I'm old school. And so we didn't have social media. I do social media and, and I enjoy doing some of it and, but I don't do it like a lot of the guys that are pumping out the stuff every few days i i don't try to monetize anything it hasn't been something that's a source of income so something that i do when i have something that's interesting you know like i i shot a picture i got my brand new boat just came in brand new triton new xp it just came in at at, at bass pro shops right here in gainesville and it's undercover over there and i'm like i can't wait to peel the cover off (laughs) uh i'm I'm waiting for my boz machine jack plate to get in i'll get some power poles and 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 hang that 250 pro excess mercury on it and and i'll be able to shoot it and then i'll probably do videos social media videos of me old bubba here rigging (laughs) the electronics because i kind of like doing that myself i like knowing where the stuff is and all that so i do that myself and so there'll be a little rigging that i'll do myself and and uh yeah yeah so i do what i what i do but i i can't do i just i have a hard time doing it so often so much yeah so commercial i just i'm just not not that guy i'm the same way i I struggle with it i know there's a lot of really cool stuff that i do on my own that i could probably record and people would want to see and i usually think about it after the fact and trey yells at me well i mean well let's be honest so some of those memories are meant for us yeah and not for everyone else (laughs) that's true i mean you you know there is a personal side to everyone's life and uh you know you don't want to share everything so some of those are you know there's sentimental value in some of those memories. Yeah. Um, I do, I do want to personally, you know, thank you for taking the time. Um, and if you wouldn't mind, just hang out after the show just for a minute, but I do want to personally thank you for, you know, sharing um, your experiences and your words of wisdom to, to the people that watch our show uh, because we are, we are all about, uh, you know, growing that culture. And, um, you know, if, if there was anything that I would challenge everyone on is just try to harness all the positive things that are happening around us. It's so easy to lead easily, or it's too easy to get focused on negative stuff, but there's so much positive. Look at the evolution of bass fishing, all the outlets that are there now from high school to collegiate level fishing to all the different tournament series. And so the doors just keep opening and opening while you know, business decisions are business decisions, like doors are opening and opportunities are there. So if you can harness that positive stuff, uh, then you can jump on those opportunities and your words of wisdom 
I think definitely back that up. So it, it was great to have you on the show, Shaw. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you very much. And I'll leave you with one thing, you know, and, and, and unfortunately I'm not the best at remembering, you know, Bible verses, but there's a Bible verse that's uh, very inspirational because I think the Bible is, is if you look at Jesus, look at God, look at Jesus, God so loved the world. The Bible is about love. And, and he says, I give you this command that you love one another as I've loved you. That one statement wraps up the way we ought to live our life, that we love each and every other person out there. If you care for them and you want to help them and do things for them, and when you do that, your world really comes together. Absolutely. Yep. yep. I think that's a great way to wrap it up, Shaw. Again, appreciate you for all of us, everybody. All of his stuff will be linked down below. If you don't want to go hunting, you can just click the links down there. Uh, make sure you like, comment, subscribe, all that blah, blah, blah stuff that we say all the time uh, To because I think you have to. I don't know. It's, it's like one of those requirements. It's, a, it's an thing, obligatory you know? statement. Yeah, I'm just going to like put – maybe we'll just scroll it across the bottom from now on. There you say. go. Uh, Shaw, Shaw said like and subscribe and share with your friends. That's right. <laughs> so, <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate everybody listening. I appreciate everybody's support and helping us continue to grow a culture of anglers, helping anglers one cast at a time. That's a good one. That's a good one. Oh, God, it's a toad, son. Huh? It's a f***ing toad, dude. Let's go. I wake up to a little bit of drool on my pillow, feel like it's going to be a bad day.